It was the best of times. It was the blurst of times. <laughs> Welcome to the new podcast, Cursed or Blessed. I'm your host, Elise Galois. And I'm Shannon, I'm also here. This is a podcast where we look at nostalgic content from our childhoods, which was not so long ago, given we are in our mid-twenties. I am, are you? I'm 24. Oh, early twenties. The only midpoint of the twenties is 25. After that, you're like basically 30. And after that, you're basically dead. Some content from our youth is either cursed or blessed. Due to changes in animation and cinematography since our youth in the late 90s and early 2000s, much of the content from that time is ambitious in scope and poor in execution, rendering it often cursed upon a viewing from an adult perspective. Uh, for some for some pieces of cinema, this uncanny effect is really more charming than it is detrimental. These are the blurst films. Some of them, however, are just straight up cursed. And the rare thing from our youth is straight up blessed. If anyone comes at me and says that 101 Dalmatians is anything resembling cursed or blessed, they're dead to me. That's a, This is a concept of the podcast. So each uh, week or, well, you know, each show, because I don't <laughs> know what the schedule is for this yet, we will be talking about one such piece of entertainment from our youth times and determining whether it's cursed, blessed, or on the rare occasion, fully blessed. And what better place to start than the 1940 Walt Disney animation classic, Pinocchio, everyone's favourite movie. We watched this last week for full disclosure, it's not like super fresh in our memories, and the reason we watched this was not to necessarily do the podcast, but because I had a misunderstanding uh, about the plot of Moby Dick. Um, and, <laughs> and, and, and the biblical story about Jonah. Yeah, Jonah and the Whale, which is a story from the Bible, which I wouldn't know because I'm a heathen. Yeah, I think we were at brunch and we were talking about like being afraid of certain animals, and I think someone mentioned being afraid of whales. And I said something to the effect of, but it's okay, you can escape a whale if it eats you by tickling its insides and having it sneeze you out like what happens in Moby Dick. <laughs> and then Shannon says, that's not what happens in Moby Dick. And I tried to fight her. <laughs> Shannon did English literature. She has two degrees in it. But this is the first time they've come in handy. See, what happened was that I blocked out from my memory the whole whale subplot in Pinocchio. And I had to rewatch to, to truly um, let it enter my brain space once again. And now it's there, I wish it wasn't, because it was a, wi- it was a wild ride. It was... It's still seared into my mind. And, and today we're going to be sharing our thoughts and feelings about Pinocchio with you. And we'll be talking about maybe like the history of the movie, um, our impressions, our favourite characters, and then ultimately coming to the uh, conclusion about whether or not the film is cursed, blessed, or blessed. So the plot of Pinocchio is clearly 
not memorable because I thought that uh, half of its plot was actually the plot of Moby Dick. And the other half was the plot of Jonah and the Whale. I'm still not too sure how to distinguish Moby Dick and Jonah and the Whale. Um, And at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. So just as a refresher, the plot of uh, Pinocchio um, starts in the humble abode of the clockmaker Geppetto, who lives in harmony with his uh, wonderful cat, who is called Figaro. Figaro, the real true hero of this piece. And a very, and I'm not saying this lightly, flirtatious fish. Yeah, that's a very flirtatious fish Geppetto's got there. What's the fish called? Cleo? Cleo is Cleo the, the fish. fish. Uh, they're living in harmony, relatively. And then they an intruder comes in in the form of Jiminy Cricket, who is a cricket. Uh, who, in name only. <laughs> in name only. Um, he looks like... He looks a little bit like if you skinned the Pillsbury Doughboy and you stole his hat. Yeah. Comes in dressed all raggedy, disheveled. Um, he wants a, a warm clock to sleep in. That night, while Geppetto is dreaming, a blue fairy also intrudes through an open window. This does not wake Geppetto up. Very quiet fairy. Fairies are known for their stealth. Well, she does sing while she's there. I think Geppetto is... It's an old man who needs his rest. While intruding their house, uh, she casts a spell on a marionette. Is he a marionette? Yeah, he's got strings. This is some puppet. You know the deal. That's a a whole thing that he's got strings. Yeah. At the start. (laughs) Turns him into a real boy. Everyone knows this bit of the plot. Except the bit that I remember being there that wasn't there is Geppetto expressing the wish to have a son. That's not in the movie at any point. He just, like, makes a marionette. And Geppetto already has a very fine cat. And a a cat with a big personality and possibly sentience. Yes. While all this is transpiring, the Blue Fairy decides to give Jiminy Cricket uh, the very important role of being the puppet boy's conscience. Wait, hang on, I've explained it wrong. She doesn't turn him into a real boy. She just makes him an animated puppet. Brings him to life. I've skipped an entire movie. (laughs) Maybe that's for the best. This is the end of the podcast. (laughs) Um, So, uh, lo and behold, Geppetto wakes up and is not as surprised as he should be to realise his puppet son is now alive and his puppet son, he waltzes around the room, deeply upsetting Figaro the cat. He acclimates very quickly to having a living puppet in his house. He it's does. seconds at most until he decides that this is his life now with his puppet son. Mm-hmm. And he's clearly a very busy man. There's a lot of clocks in that room. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's very happy. He goes to sleep without having much of a conversation with Pinocchio. Wakes up bright and early the next day. Has, again, not much of a conversation with Pinocchio. And sends him off to school without explaining what school is. But that's fine. Does he put him on a bus? No, he does not. He shoves him out the front door with a book that he has for reasons that defy logic, an apple, and the instructions go to school. (laughs) But it's okay because he's with his conscience, Jiminy Cricket, who is a reliable and good cricket man. 
Who Geppetto doesn't know about. Geppetto does not know of the existence of Jiminy, but the Blue Fairy does. Um, and she trusts him, and we trust her. Uh, so off he goes to school, not knowing where he's going. He stumbles into a very fun character uh, called Honest John. Honest John is a fox, an anthropomorphic fox, who has uh, fingerless gloves and a shifty-looking hat and a shifty expression. And he also has a cat friend who I've just realised this is very much an Arthur the Aardvark situation where, like, some of the characters are anthropomorphic and some of them are full-on animals. Yeah. Why does Figaro, a much smarter character than the Catman... Not have, n- not have a suit not or have a, a hat? Suit. He doesn't have a profession. He doesn't have any, you know, means to communicate. I mean, nor does this other cat, really. The Catman... Is a, is a foil for Honest John. So sometimes he will bash Honest John on the head with a hammer or something. He's also just a shifty dude. Honest John is intrigued by Pinocchio and uh, hatches a plan to sell him to a local circus master? It's unclear. I'm not going to say much about the circus master. He's some form of many racial stereotypes. Yeah, the internet was not clear on which one it was, but... His name is Stromboli. And uh, Pinocchio is, is, you know, tries to listen to Jiminy Cricket at first, but is ultimately convinced to go with Honest John and friend, called Gideon the Cat, I remember now. Um, I did not know he had a name. Gideon the cat. I don't think he's introduced as such. Um, and Jiminy, instead of, you know, trying his best to retrieve Pinocchio, is just like, well, this is his decision. Which is, I don't know, that's the best role for a conscience. Yeah, he's not a very effective conscience. He gives up quite easily. Yeah. I feel that the Blue Fairy did not do her due diligence when picking Jiminy Cricket as the conscience. It's this point in the movie where Jiminy says, I should tell his father, wait, I don't want to be a snitch. (laughs) It's never too early for kids to learn the snitches get stitches rule. You should, you know, listen, before, if you see a kid get lured away by a fox and a cat and sold to a circus master, I think you just let it happen. Don't tell, don't tell the child's father. Don't be a snitch. Don't be a snitch. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> come, come on, don't be a snitch. So off Pinocchio goes, has a whale of a time, dancing with various wooden can-can dancers. He's a big attraction, he's a dancing puppet, people love that. Um, and then he gets taken back into the caravan, where he's uh, imprisoned in a birdcage by Stromboli. The logic behind this is so unclear to me, because Pinocchio doesn't seem like he wants to leave until he gets put in the cage. Hmm. Eventually, uh, Jiminy Cricket arrives and tries to unlock the cage, is unable to do so, and immediately gives in. And says, well, Pinocchio, I guess we'll die. (laughs) Basically, I think is what he says. Well, he's a conscience. He's not... He's not there for a jailbreak. (laughs) The Blue Fairy then turns up. Uh, completely, just through a window, she, she's, I think, watching the whole thing with a sense of amusement, and she's like, Pinocchio, why are you not at school? <laughs> First of all, Blue Fairy, it's night time. <laughs> uh, but also a kidnapping has happened. Um, and, uh, and Pinocchio, under some kind of pressure that's come out of nowhere, there's no logic for this pressure, lies and 
says that he was doing various other stuff, and as he lies, his nose grows longer and longer, and then she says, you know what, if you lie, you're going to get a big nose, you don't want that. This is the first and only time this iconic thing about Pinocchio happens in this movie. I recall it being a much bigger problem. Yeah, me too. It only happens once, and no one else ever sees it. I think in real life, there's like, obviously a positive correlation between the lies you tell by number and the size of your nose. But also there's a positive correlation between lies you tell and age. <laughs> so, I mean, what's the, dam- what's the damage, really? You know, your nose is going to get bigger anyway. As you grow. Yeah, I think... I, so personally, what it's really just saying is, as an adult, you will tell more and better lies. Yeah. But Pinocchio is, you know, he's been taught a lesson, and only when he's been taught a lesson does a blue fairy return his nose to its original form and free him from the birdcage. They escape, and Pinocchio says, Goodbye, Stromboli. And the blue fairy says, This is the last time I can do this. For reasons that, again, defy logic. Yeah. So the next scene, you're thinking, maybe we'll cut to Geppetto, who's looking for a son who he's just received from the fairy and very much loves and has wanted for a while, we assume. No, we don't see Geppetto for quite a long time. Uh, We actually meet up with our friends Honest John and Gideon the Cat, who are at a tavern and talk to a mysterious coachman who has a scheme on his hands. Don't drink and drive, kids. He wants these two henchmen to collect children for him so he can take them to Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure Island. <laughs> pleasure Island. <laughs> and he doesn't explain what he'll do with the kids there at this stage. He whispers it into Honest John's ear, and Honest John recoils. He's never heard something so hideous. Even Honest John, an evil fox man, is like, this is too much. But again... He thinks, I'll sell a kid to the circus, but (laughs) not whatever this guy's got cooking up. But he's clearly convinced. Because the next thing you know, uh, Pinocchio is skipping on his way home. um, (laughs) And meets Honest John again. And Honest John tries to convince Pinocchio to go with him to this place where he can have all the best best fun a boy can have in the world and and live a good life. And Jiminy Cricket says, this doesn't seem like a great idea. And Pinocchio says, I will do it. And Jiminy's like, ah, oh well. Another (laughs) loss for old Jiminy here. (laughs) It's been a bad day, but I'll let it slide again. So uh, off we go onto a boat. And uh, Pinocchio joins some other ruffians on their way to Pleasure Island. I'm going to say it like that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) He gets sold to slave labour. There we go. What do you want me to say? Pleasure Island. (laughs) That's what happens. Sounds like a really bad cruise, Pleasure Island. But you know when they get there, they're having a whale of a time. They're, They're smoking, they're gambling... They're drinking. They're having the time of their lives. There's like a, there's a whole bunch of carnival rides that they just wreck. Yeah, it looks a lot like Disneyland, which yeah. I think is probably deliberate. Was this movie before Disneyland was a thing? This was quite early in the Disney oeuvre. Ah, uh, you know what Walt Disney's like, though. He was probably, like, planning. 
He was scheming it Maybe he got the idea from, from Pleasure Island. Being like, Pinocchio. this Pleasure Island idea sounds real great. I'm gonna replicate this in real life. But uh, instead of letting... But without the slave labor. Instead of letting young boys just wreck the place. Yeah. Pleasure Island is a bit that people remember from Pinocchio and really hate. And this is fair enough because it's despicable. Even Honest John thinks so. And he's a bad fox man. <laughs> um, so, it's the evening. Uh, things have quietened down. He's hanging out with his ruffian friend, who I think has a name. And yes, he has a name, and it's Lampwick. Does he? Lampwick with the Brooklyn accent. Oh, Pinocchio. Yeah. <laughs> Pass me another one of those joints. <laughs> it's Pleasure Island. I can smoke some marijuana. That's a line from the movie. Um, and, uh, yeah, lo and behold, he starts turning into a donkey. Uh, Pinocchio, horrified by this, tries to, uh, reason with Jiminy Cricket, who's arrived and has has only just made himself available to Pinocchio for some reason, and starts to turn into a donkey himself, but kind of stops ears and tails in. Yeah. Which is very good for Pinocchio. Maybe he hasn't had enough alcohol yet. I think it's implied that whatever's turning them into donkeys is in the beer. Mm. I think that was the implication of the scene, though it's never quite clear. I'm never drinking beer again. Um, so, they escape the island, and then, very quickly and easily, manage to get to their hometown in yes. Italy. They being just Pinocchio and Jiminy Cricket, none of the other boys on Pleasure Island are ever seen again. They, uh, they're wondering where Geppetto and Figaro and Cleo the fish have gone. The whole house is covered in cobwebs, even though I think they've only been gone a day. Um, they've gone off in search of Pinocchio, they assume, and their questions are answered when the, uh, Blue Fairy arrives as a dove, and sends them a letter telling them that Geppetto, on his voyage to Pleasure Island, has been consumed by the whale Moby Dick. Monstro. Monstro. <laughs> and is now living inside the belly of the Monstro whale called Monstro. <laughs> He's a real monstrosity. What follows is a long, long montage of them interacting with various sea creatures at the bottom of the ocean. Pinocchio can survive underwater because he's a puppet. And Jiminy Cricket... Is he in, like, a bubble? Yeah, he's in a bubble. And then we basically learn that all the fish in this universe are real flirts. It's not just Cleo. They're like that in the ocean, too. They keep on waving their little fishy derriere at Jiminy Cricket <laughs> in, like, a really strange way. But this frivolity does not last long. Well, it does last too long, actually. Yeah, I think it's it's interminable. Uh, Monstro arrives. Massive, great, big whale. And Pinocchio and Jiminy are swallowed up by Monstro and is immediately reuni- reunited with Geppetto, who seems to be living a very good life inside the whale of the On, like, the belly a wrecked whale. ship inside the belly of the whale. With Figaro, the cat, who's dry and happy, and Cleo, the fish... Still in her bowl. Still in her bowl, after whatever has transpired involving them being eaten by a whale. The, the implication here is that... Geppetto 
instead of asking his neighbors to, like, look after and feed his cat and fish, was like, I'm going to take you on a journey to find my son. (laughs) Uh, So, first, Pinocchio is very nervous to see his dad again, but now he's got a donkey tail and donkey ears, so what's his dad going to think of him? Geppetto doesn't really care, because Pinocchio's already a monstrosity. (laughs) He is. He is. <laughs> he's been alive two days. <laughs> he's a- <laughs> And all he's done is sin. Committed quite a lot of crimes. Yeah. Like truancy. Like, tr- yeah, and underage everything. <laughs> Performing <laughs> in a, a lot- circus. There was a lot we didn't see on the island that probably happened. Oh, I'm talking like arson and stuff. Probably. He, like, they wrecked the joint there. You, yeah. yeah, it was horrible. Um, Geppetto doesn't care. He loves him. And Pinocchio devises a plan uh, that I swear they still use in Moby Dick. <laughs> where they get the whale to sneeze them out by blowing smoke up its spout. Which totally works. This is This is a good safety tip for any marine biologists out there. Totally works. They get spat out by Monstro. There's a bit of a chase. Cleo, the fish, remains fully in her bowl the whole time. Um, despite the fact that, you know, she if she was released, that would be the best ending for her. Because there's a lot of other fish with the same, like, attitude to her this in the ocean. Literally the perfect time to say there are lots of other fish in the sea. And you just <laughs> let it pass you by. Oh. What a, what a missed opportunity. Um... So it looks like Pinocchio is uh, presumably dead, uh, washed up on the beach with Geppetto et al. It's very, very sad. He's, his body, his little puppet corpse, is carried back to the little village in Italy. And um, they, they all mourn uh, the long and beautiful, wonderful life of this beautiful puppet boy. Um, when lo and behold, the blue fairy decide, uh, turns up, decides that Pinocchio has proven himself worthy, and turns him into a real boy, which is what I said happened at the beginning of the synopsis, but you had to get through all this plot to get to it. Now he's a real boy with flesh. He's a flesh, flesh boy. Which some, somehow saves him from drowning, mm-hmm. even though... As a puppet, you'd think he had better odds. And you know what? She gets rid of his donkey ears and tail, which I think is quite a loss. Yeah. Anyway, so she then rewards Jiminy Cricket for being such a good conscience, and he gets a solid gold badge, and that is the end of the movie. Jiminy Cricket being rewarded for being a good father figure to Pinocchio. Even though he did absolutely nothing at any point. So yeah, that's the that's the plot of Pinocchio. Which is your favourite character in this wonderful tableau of life? It's gotta be Figaro the Cat. I feel like Figaro the Cat is the standout of this movie. Figaro the Cat is the only character with at least one brain cell. Yeah. Not, none of the rest of them have any at all. Figaro is also the only one who is suspicious of a puppet coming to life with no explanation. 
Yeah, Figaro spends most of the movie trying not to be stamped on um, and trying to get some sleep and being woken up by snoring. Which is incredibly relatable to yeah. anyone who's lived in a dorm. Yeah. Um, or been camping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Figaro is, I think, a really tragic figure because he's got a very close relationship with Geppetto. And I know it's weird to say that he's his true son, but Geppetto's known Figaro for longer. They have a bond. Figaro has is a cat with human intelligence. Yes. Yeah, he wears a little nightcap. He has a little uh, his own little bed. What's more, what's more proof of sentience really than wears a tiny nightcap and has his own bed? And with this in mind, I think it would be a much a much better film to have Figaro be the conscience than Jiminy Cricket. Yeah, I agree. So, like, as a, I remember as a kid thinking that Jiminy Cricket was, like, morally sound and also that a conscience was meant to be, like, you know... Well, a conscience is meant to be a, a guiding thing, right? Always let life. your conscience be your guide. Which is a song from Pinocchio. <laughs> uh, Get it on <laughs> Spotify today. Which none of the... Ca- also, the songs in this movie last, like, a minute long each. <laughs> My favourite one is An Actor's Life for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is sung by everyone's favourite John. Honest, Honest John. John. <laughs> I'd like to think that Honest John is John, his just full name. Yeah. <laughs> the name's John. Honest, Honest John. John. Um, but yeah, Jiminy Cricket is, uh, I think, the same character as the mouse from Dumbo. See, I haven't seen Dumbo recently enough to be able to answer whether or not I agree with you. I have a sneaking suspicion that it's a mouse's idea to get Dumbo drunk. To calm his nerves. I may be incorrect. You also thought that they got eaten by a whale in Moby Dick. Yeah, well, I'm still (laughs) not convinced that they were, Shannon. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thing a giant whale would do. Um... Yeah, no, Jiminy Cricket is, like, not reliable. He abandons Pinocchio at every single term. He's, like, obsessed with the idea of receiving a solid gold badge from the Blue Fairy. Is it solid gold? Does he just want to, like, hawk it for cash? I think he's specific that he wants a solid gold badge. And she's like, Oh, well, Jiminy, if you're a good conscience, you'll be rewarded... In due course. The Blue Fairy is played by Dame Maggie Smith. (laughs) (laughs) Full character is the mean old lady from Downton Abbey. The Blue Fairy is also not a great character, in my full opinion. She must be watching the whole thing. She must be. Uh, Because she knows about the, the whale discourse, that they get eaten by a whale, and tells him that. She must be watching the whole time. But at the same time, not watching thoroughly enough to see that Jiminy Cricket is not following through on his assigned task of being a conscience. Yeah, he's just sort of following Pinocchio around, and even then, not all that successfully. What is her angle? She's a, Maybe she's not a benevolent fairy at all. She's just like a puck from a Midsummer Night's Dream type character. She's like, just... Bored? What if I brought this wooden puppet to life? Well, Geppetto doesn't ask for a son. But he's always wanted a son, Shannon. Does he, he ever one, actually he... say that? 
Oh my word, does he actually <laughs> never say that? I don't think he, he just, does. She just gifts him with a puppet? He no. doesn't ask for a son. <laughs> Maybe that's why he sends Pinocchio to school without <laughs> any instructions. <laughs> He's like, let's let nature take its course. <laughs> Maybe Geppetto planted Honest John. <laughs> So the whole whale plot, that's a diversion. Geppetto is just trying to get out of Dodge. Yeah. In Geppetto's, in Geppetto's head, this is a, this is a conjuring film. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a creepy puppet that's come to life living in his house. Like, this is Annabelle. Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have two facts about Geppetto that would have, you know, rounded him out if these plot points were included in the film. These mm-hmm. were in the storyboarding phase. Uh, apparently, there was a scene very early on where Geppetto said to Pinocchio, listen, I am your dad, because the fairy made that be the case. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> For magic. <laughs> Happened overnight. Um... <laughs> But he need Pinocchio needs to know that Pinocchio comes from something else, and that's a pine tree. So Geppetto takes him to a local pine tree and says, "This is your dad." But the thing about that is, why is a pine tree still living? Had it just like hacked a piece of like wood off, like a puppet-sized branch? He sh- in this storyboard they show him the pine tree, the pine tree, not uh, just what, a random. Pine that's what tree. the listicle that I'm looking at says. So Pinocchio has that in his head, that he's actually got two dads. And one is a tree. Well, I mean, this is Disney's true first gay moment. (laughs) (laughs) I have my man dad and my tree dad. I love them both. Um, but no, Geppetto doesn't do this. He just sends him off to school. Uh, another fact about Geppetto that would have been more interesting if it included it was that in the whale scene, um, while they're waiting for Pinocchio, apparently Geppetto and Figaro consider killing and eating Cleo the fish. Oh. I think that would have been fine. Yeah, I would have been okay with that. Cleo has a bad life. At one point, they douse a fire with a... No, they put a... Something is on fire. Pinocchio's arm is on fire. His arm is on fire. His boy arm. And they put it in the fishbowl. And then she's in this horrible... Oh, turns black. Dirty bowl. Like one of those ads for Dawn dish soap where they're cleaning the penguins. Yeah. Geppetto, uh, I think he's a sympathetic character. I guess. Like, he's a deeply confusing character. What does he want out of life? Is the puppet making his hobby? His profession is clock making, clearly. But, like, Pinocchio's not clockwork. Yeah, he's, he's not. just a, a marionette with strings. He, because, Shannon, he wants a son. Uh, but I, I'm not convinced that he does. <laughs> I mean, all signs point to, no, he doesn't want a son, but, like, deep down... Deep, deep, deep down, down. Don't we all want a fairy to animate one of the toys in our house? <laughs> like, in my house, my parents' house, I went back to visit, 
and my mom had turned my room into a guest room and on one of the shelves with this creepy porcelain doll in a wedding dress just staring at the bed and like do I deep down want a blue fairy to come in and animate that porcelain doll to be my child no nobody wants that I don't know, Shannon. Sometimes with you, there's, like, no telling. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want the responsibility of being a parent to a possessed doll. Oh, no, you don't want to be the parent. No. No. No, that's fair. Being roommates with a possessed doll, that's a totally different story. You know what? Yeah, if I had a possessed doll and I had to be its mother, I would send it to school with no instructions. Mm -hmm. I'd probably plant honest John there to kidnap it. Maybe that's how they should have solved... Don't tell the authorities I said that. (laughs) They'll get you for haunted doll endangerment. (laughs) That's how they should have solved the Annabelle problem. Sent her to school. Yeah. So like, welcome to the family, Annabelle. Hire a local Truancy fox. is a crime. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine, like, a non-anthropomorphic fox just carrying a doll away in its mouth. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, a regular fox, but also wearing fingerless gloves. <laughs> child, I'm going to name him Honest John. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to make him include Honest in the name. No nicknames for Honest John. No, not names for Honest John. And it's going to make him seem untrustworthy, so he'll have to work extra hard to be trustworthy. To earn it so that people think it's a nickname. And And that's good parenting. That is instilling (laughs) morals in your child. Not that this Germany bullshit. (laughs) You're not going to Give a cricket a tuxedo and then tell him he's your son's conscience. No, I'm going to use trickery and <laughs> poor uh, naming practices to earn my solid gold badge, which is all I really want. That's <laughs> all any of us really want is a solid gold badge. Yeah. I want to see the alternate timeline of Pinocchio where he does get to school. He bypasses the fox or he just says no. Walks straight past, goes to school. I want to see his, like, you know, interactions with his classmates who are not puppets. Yeah. That's just got to be awkward. But you bring that up where Pinocchio just might just say no to Honest John, because the whole movie frames Pinocchio's kidnap multiple kidnappings as his fault. <laughs> Even though he's just a child <laughs> sent out into the street. He w- literally was brought to life hours before. He doesn't know what a street is. This is why he needs to go to school, Shannon, to learn how to get to school. It's a real chicken-egg thing. (laughs) Geppetto is clearly too busy making clocks to walk Pinocchio to school, or even point in the direction of the school. (laughs) I want to address something very serious (laughs) that was bothering me throughout the whole movie that you may have forgotten about but it was bothering the heck out of me. And that was all the butt imagery. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Um, It's so much. There's a lot of bum-related humour in this, which there often is in kids' movies. But this is not, like, Shrek-level, like, no, I th- fart jokes. I think it was just a lot of, like, close-up shots of bums. Yeah. People waving their bums in people's faces, people getting, like, tapped on the bum, 
Lots of clocks had a lot of bum imagery. Yeah. And here's something disturbing about that, was I found out through Google um, that uh, I didn't search Pinocchio butt clock. (laughs) By the way, this just kind of came up as an interesting fact, that uh, Walt Disney would only accept animated clocks that had been made in real life and could be, like, whimsical real clocks. So the clocks had to be made to be featured as cartoons in the film. That's... Considering some of the clocks, that's kind of horrifying. Some of the clocks are quite bad. Yeah. I mean, most of it, but related. <laughs> um, oh, I guess cuckoo clocks can get quite intricate. My grandfather had, like, a wall of clocks on one end of his house, and they'd all, like, go off at, like... Slightly different times, like the clocks in Geppetto's house. But none of them had weird little people in them. They all just had birds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I know that, like, a glockenspiel is a thing. At what point do we draw the line that, like, clocks have gone too far? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if Geppetto was getting much traffic in his place, there were lots of unsold clocks there. That's true. Unless his job was some other thing and the clocks were his hobby. But then, what was Geppetto a puppet maker and the clocks were his hobby? Yeah, maybe. Or were was he a clock repair person and that's why they're all in there? But they all seem to be working. Here's my proposal. I think that Disney should do a live-action movie, which is a prequel to Pinocchio, which is Geppetto's backstory. It's like Maleficent, but Geppetto. Because <laughs> everyone's so curious about Geppetto. What was his life? What was he like as a rebellious teen played yeah. by... Who would play Geppetto? I mean, I was going to say Seth Rogen. But can you imagine? <laughs> I think it would be funny. Seth Rogen as a teen... As Geppetto. As Geppetto. Like, like Seth Rogen now as an adult playing a teenage Geppetto. Mm-hmm. But in a, it's got to be updated to a modern setting. Or no, just update it to, like, the mid-2000s. Give him a set of Heelys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, a puppet's still relevant to today's society. I mean, I think the market for haunted puppets is still thriving. Or would they have to make this a... I mean, Muppets are very relevant. That's true. Are they still? Yeah. I would watch Muppet Pinocchio. Muppet? Oh, I would want Kermit to be my son. (laughs) The Count? I like, I'm a fan of the Count. Do you want the Count to be your son? (laughs) No. Like, pick a Muppet to raise. Gonzo. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) I want him to raise me. You want Gonzo to raise you? Yeah. I want him to be my conscience. That's what I want him to be. Gonzo the Great. Tell me the right from wrong. (laughs) Steer me away from the Honest Johns of the world. I would like Cookie Monster to be my conscience. I think I could use that kind of energy in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Do I want any Sesame Street characters to be my children? Snuffleupagus. I, I have a mental block every time I think of Sesame Street. Have I told you about this before, Shannon? No. My recurring nightmare that I had as a kid about yes. Big Bird. <gasps> okay, uh, Big Bird, I'm just going to mention, it's not even a puppet. I think it's a... I think, and now this is just a theory, and I may sound like a fool for saying this, I think Big Bird is a man in a suit. <laughs> How dare you? I really hope he's a man in a suit, because the, the alternative is too terrifying to even consider. Oh, God. This is a dream I had as a kid. 
when I was maybe like, I don't know, six or seven, I'm playing in a park with my mum. We're playing with kites and frisbees and whatnot on a hill. Beautiful park. Um, and my mum goes up onto the hill to, I think, pick up a ball that I've thrown. And when she's on top of the hill waving at me, from behind her comes Big Bird from Sesame Street. But like a slightly bigger version of Big Bird, who's already big. And he puts one wing over my mother's mouth and uses the other wing to fly away, because that's how birds operate in my dream. Um, and my mum is kicking and screaming, but to no avail, Big Bird has her now. And I run up the hill, and he's flying and flying and flying, and I can't get her back, so I can't fly, even in my dream. Oh, God, it's scaring me now, even just, like, describing it. And, you know, the most terrifying thing about this dream is that I remember distinctly in the dream, in the background of it, was the song, Someday I'll Fly Away. (laughs) And this was happening, and my mum, oh, my God, I hate Big Bird. I hate Big Bird. Muppets for life, Sesame Street sucks. <laughs> Sesame Street is cursed. Muppets is fully blessed. <laughs> this is the Muppet discourse you came to this Pinocchio episode for. Yeah, so long story short, Pinocchio has a lot of butt stuff. <laughs> it does. It does. Like a, a, a surprising amount. Didn't want to get so worked up. It's easy to get passionate when talking about the Muppets. <laughs> um, Jiminy Cricket, um, just to bring it back to him again... Uh, I want to know what his backstory is, because when he first arrives at the house, he is wearing rags. He is hungry. He's tired. In the uh, live-action movie about Jiminy Cricket's origin story, he's played by Jude Law. Jude Law. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why that makes so much sense, but it does. Played by Michael Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Rebel Wilson is a voice of monster. <laughs> um, but 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 we're joking about these these uh, live action movies. Of course, there will be Pinocchio the movie very very shortly. Do you want to take the wheel here, Shannon? I'm unreasonably hyped about this because this isn't. This is not of the same vein of the, like, churned-out Disney live-action remakes that are just shot-for-shot the animated movie, but with people or different CGI if you're the Lion King. This is honest-to-God new interpretation by Guillermo del Toro, who I love beyond all reason. He does real movies that are good. (laughs) This is going to haunt my dreams, and I'm so excited about it. There's no, there's no universe in which this version of Pinocchio doesn't deeply scar me, um, <laughs> but I'm ready. I don't think you can do a version of Pinocchio that is not deeply scarring. The thing is that Disney had to sugarcoat a lot of the content of the original story for uh, their movie, which is, you know, already, I think, maybe the most disturbing of the Disney movies. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Dumbo. Dumbo. Yeah. It's definitely Dumbo. Dumbo came directly after Pinocchio. Ooh, weird couple of years in the Disney writer's room. They made a huge profit from Snow White. Mm-hmm. That was beloved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Pinocchio actually at first made a loss. Oh. 
It because it's because people knew that it. I think because people didn't want to rewatch any of it. Yeah, I don't know the. I don't know for sure. Um, and then they followed up with Dumbo, which for which they had a much lower budget, but was more of an economic success than Pinocchio. Which is interesting to me. Is it the bright colors in Dumbo? Because Pinocchio is aesthetically mm. quite brown. It gets a lot of earth tones. It's not... Like, Snow White is very bright and poppy colors, and so is Dumbo. Because mm. Dumbo's a bit more psychedelic. It is. But Pink Pinocchio elephants. is a little bit drabber. And Pinocchio, for marketing itself as a musical, as we've mentioned, the songs are, you know, I can't think of a full set of lyrics off the top of my head. I can think of a several individual lines that are also the titles of songs. When I'll, you wish upon a star. Always let your conscience be your guide. The toot toot clock song. <laughs> Was I re- am I remembering this correctly? All the clocks go off. Yeah, I think that's right. That's when some of the butt humor really, really kicks off. The yeah. toot song. <laughs> uh, an actor's lie for me, of course. Mm-hmm. Honest John trying to convince Pinocchio to be an actor successfully. Probably didn't even need the song. Probably just could have been like, hello, I'm Honest John. I'm a villainous fox. Mm-hmm. You're coming with me. And Pinocchio would have said yes. Because Pinocchio doesn't know what villainous or fox means. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm Shifty John. (laughs) I'm Bad John. (laughs) The baddest of all the Johns. (laughs) And I'm kidnapping you. Yes? Yes! (laughs) Pinocchio is not very bright, but I think he can be forgiven because he was literally born yesterday and is made of wood and is also a child. Oh, but he has a propensity to lie. But he he lies to the blue fairy. The bit about him lying and his nose growing that unsettles me the most is that when it grows to as long as it gets, a bird's nest with three eggs pops up onto the nose out of nowhere, and then the three eggs hatch, and three baby birds are given life on the end of Pinocchio's nose. Pinocchio's a father. To those three birds that now don't exist because the blue fairy vanished them. Yeah, she does. She's a murderer. She killed those birds. <laughs> She's so powerful. <laughs> <laughs> also, why does the nose thing not get more attention? I don't know if that's just visually iconic from Pinocchio, so it's the thing people remember, so I assume it was in it more. He could have used it to do a lot of the stuff that he could have that he did in this movie. I feel that we're being influenced. I know I am by Shrek's Pinocchio. I I'm thinking something more violent than Shrek's Pinocchio. I'm thinking very very rapid lying, using the nose to stab. It's blunt though. Yeah, but if it's coming at you full force, it could get you in the eyes. <laughs> there could have been an epic showdown between Pinocchio and Stromboli. Or, well, what's the name of the guy who runs the island? We never see him again. No, the the coachman, no. Yeah. Um, there could have been a scene where Pinocchio wants to get the whale to sneeze, did some very quick lying, poked the blowhole. Well, then wouldn't the moral be that lying makes you powerful? I don't think I've learned any good morals from the rest of the movie, Shannon. <laughs> 
what have we learned that you should, you know, let kidnappings happen lest you be a snitch? <laughs> you should send a child to school on the first day of his life with no instructions. And you should listen to your conscience regardless of whether or not that conscience is a, a third party. Yeah. Randomly assigned to you with no qualifications. May as well do some quick fire lives. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that, you mentioned something there that did make me think. Some thoughts. Who is in charge of Pleasure Island? Which, by the way, originally was going to be called Bogeyland. (laughs) Which I find funny. Shannon, you're not going to be aware of this, but there was a classic TV show in the UK called Dick and Dumb in the Bungalow. What? Dick and Dumb in the Bungalow. Uh, it was a Saturday morning show that was beloved by all young millennials and featured two men, two presenters, Dick and Dumb, who had a bungalow and kids would come round. <laughs> Sounding real bad. <laughs> and they'd just be fun in games. It'd be very, like, kind of rude. They'd, like, have food fights and stuff. But their, you know, most wonderful creation was a game called Bogies where they would go into public places like libraries, museums, lecture theatres, shopping centres, and say the word bogey. They'd take it in turns, and they'd start off really quiet and get really loud. And it would be like a game of chicken, like who could say bogey the loudest. And there'd be like a bogeyometer at the bottom of the screen so you could see who was yelling the loudest. And, and they often got banned from public places. And there was a full, I want to say, two or three year period where bogeys was just played by a lot of kids up and down the country at inopportune times in inopportune places. Um, You know, you'd be enjoying yourself at a graveyard (laughs) and you'd hear, bogeys! (laughs) Bogeys! (laughs) This craze never hit Canada. No, well, it... Or at least not rural Canada. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, you know what? I'm going to have to show you uh, Dick and Dom. Which, by the way, is a great example of something that's blessed. We'll have to watch that sometime. Okay. Yeah. 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 But yeah, Pleasure Island was going to be called Bogeyland. I think that's that would have been a better choice. But why was Pleasure Island in existence? What was the... So... They were turning the children into donkeys and then selling the donkeys. Right. But there's got to be a more efficient way to get donkeys than building an amusement park and kidnapping children. Yeah, 100%. If they're using beer magic to turn children into donkeys, someone has magic. Someone could turn other things into donkeys. Right? Yeah. Like inanimate objects. Well, presumably. And even if you need it to be animate, you could get a bunch of field mice. You know, Cinderella style. Yeah, and that's not super ethical. But you know what? You've got a fairy on your hands who can create and then this destroy is... birds. It's the blue fairy. She runs Pleasure Island. Oh my god. She would though, wouldn't she? Yeah. She wasn't there at all during that plot. But if she was, you know, if she did, then she could just create, like, animals. She could probably just create full-on donkeys. She... She's in it for the japes. She's in it for the japes, and I can appreciate that. I, I get that. That's fine. Bogeyland. But I think, when I think about it, 
It's not the most disturbing part of Pinocchio. Yeah, I think there's a lot going on in Pinocchio that is disturbing. Though the scene where the little boy turns in fully into the donkey is quite haunting. Yes, I do remember that. I remember that from the first time I watched it as a child. Didn't remember his name, which is Lampwick. Yes, I didn't remember that the second time I watched it either. We don't ever return to the the Pleasure Island subplot. We don't know what happens to the donkeys. Presumably the whole operation continues. Yeah, they don't shut it down. No I don't know if, if Pinocchio, as a boy, then decides to go into the business of stopping Pleasure Island. That's the greedy reboot. <laughs> it's like John Wick, but it's just called Lampwick. I want the sequel to Pinocchio to be Pinocchio's first day as a full as a real boy. He then he goes to school proper. And then the same stuff, the exact same stuff happens. I don't think he's learning lessons. He just meets Honest John again. Just exactly the same or like Honest John but wearing a different hat. Yeah. Rinse and repeat. <laughs> um so that brings us to uh something that I want to discuss which is a lot of the uh cursed or blurred movies um, often, like Pinocchio, have like slightly twisted morals. Like they're trying to do one thing, but it's a little bit, I guess, out of touch with with the aims, considering the time that has elapsed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you can often tell what they're aiming for because they're not very subtle. Like the movie just straight up states what it's trying to say, which is always let your conscience be your guide. Which repeatedly the, gets Pinocchio into trouble. Yeah, the. The message and the execution really are not in alignment in this film. No. Which is why I think it'd be interesting to talk about, like, who the villain is meant to be, who the villain really is. There's obvious candidates for villains here. Yeah. I'm talking Monster. Yeah. I'm talking The Coachman. Mm-hmm. Potentially even Lampwick. Yeah. Uh, the, the Honest John and Gideon the Cat. I think is also meant to be a villain. He just kind of hangs out with Honest John. He's a villain by association. Yeah, you shouldn't keep company with child kidnappers. That's a really good point. And <laughs> one that I hadn't considered. <laughs> I don't think I like this Honest John. <laughs> Many of your friends are kidnappers. Maybe consider getting different friends. But I think that in the grand scheme of things, maybe the Blue Fairy is the worst character, quickly followed by old Jiminy. I think the Blue Fairy does set a lot into motion, as I mentioned before, a la Puck in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I don't think you should go around animating dolls. I'm very anti-haunted doll. <laughs> Shouldn't go around animating haunted dolls. Get that on the t-shirt. Yeah, go stand by that. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to come down hard on not bringing dolls to life. <laughs> Don't kidnap children. Yeah. I'm I'm comfortable coming out and saying that. Don't eat people. Yeah. That's definitely a lesson you've got to learn via Monstro. And uh, don't animate dolls. Yeah. Don't drink strange beer. Don't listen to crickets. Yeah. Don't listen to crickets who are definitely not crickets. Yeah. If you already have a son and that son's a cat, please pay attention to him first. Yeah, don't ignore your cat son for your haunted puppet son. That's really bad parenting. Yeah. So I think we've come to the point in the podcast where we need to discuss where this lies. Is this a cursed 
blast or fully blast movie? Well, I think fully blast is right out. Yeah, you think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe right. there's too much child kidnapping for it to be fully blast. <laughs> I'm I'm coming down on the fully curse. Fully curse, not even a little bit blessed. No, I don't think it's even a little bit blurred. No nutritional value in this movie whatsoever. Mm. No, I, it's left me shaken. Yeah. It's left me... A hollow husk of the Shannon you once were. Exactly. I used to be (laughs) so pro-haunted doll, and I've just (laughs) entirely changed my opinion on that. Hold up. Wait, stop. Wait, stop. What's he haunted with? Whose soul is in that puppet? That's what you're implying. Yeah. You started this, you answer it. Does Pinocchio have a soul? Is this a Frankenstein's monster sort of a situation? Can Pinocchio go on a rampage where he starts killing people? Wait, is that what happens in Frankenstein? No. (laughs) My name's Elise and I do not read classic literature. (laughs) Are you sure? He kills a couple of people, but there's no rampage. Killing two people is kind of rampageous. No, it's not really a rampage. They're definitely premeditated murders. You know in Frankenstein, when Dr. Frankenstein gets eaten by a whale when he's trying to find his son? <laughs> That's why the Frankenstein ends. He's trying to find his reanimated corpse son. Yeah. Who's been eaten by a whale. And he starts putting human limbs in the blowhole of the whale to make him sneeze. Yeah. That happens, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the often overlooked third act of Frankenstein. Oh, I didn't notice the parallels between this and Pinocchio until just now. They're subtle. Yeah. But you notice that the strategy for escaping the whale remains the same. And that's because (laughs) it's the true strategy for how to escape a whale. This has been scientifically tested. This whole thing made me more afraid of being eaten by a whale than it should have been. It's like people are always saying, like, oh, I was more afraid of quicksand than I needed to be because of mm-hmm. cartoons or more afraid of uncovered manholes mm-hmm. um, or like anvils falling anvils. anvils those anvils that's never once happened and also never seen a falling piano never I've I never thought seen. I'd be encountering those on the regular when I went to a big city I did once see four guys carrying a piano across the quad in our residence building during our masters <laughs> <laughs> Did it smash on someone's head? It didn't. Ah, okay, that's good. I did ask them if they needed help, and they said, No, we've got it! Men! <laughs> I hope me shouting men like that, like, trans- transferred well on this <laughs> microphone. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. This is a fully cursed movie. This is a good benchmark, I think, for maybe the cursed a movie from our childhood can get. Yeah. Um... But I think it'll be interesting when we start to talk about things that maybe cross the blurst threshold. Or things we are not in agreement on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we've already had a bit of a tete-a-tete about the Great Mouse Detective. We have, which I loved as a child. Things pure trash. Pure trash. So this is a conflict coming down the pipe. <laughs> but yeah, Pinocchio, we're fully agreed. No... Value whatsoever. No, not at all. Don't Complete watch Pinocchio. Complete waste of money yeah. and time. All those animators, one of them had a real thing for bums. Yeah. Uh, which is one fine. One had a thing for fish. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. 
Well, on that you. note, <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> for sticking with us and listening to the first episode of Cursed All Blast. We'll see you next episode where we'll be uh, watching a much beloved sequel to a much beloved movie. Return to Oz. Thank you.